Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special New Year's message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Lord, I want to be hungry for your word. And they were hungry. They were ready to hear the word of God. That's the way you got to come to church. Listen, you got to come to church ready to hear from God. I have found if you come to church and you are not ready to hear from God and you don't desire or you're not like, you know, posturing yourself in in this place of expectancy to hear from God, you probably won't hear from God. But if you come to church and you say, God, I'm hungry. I want to hear what you have to say. Lord, I'm listening. God, I am all ears. The Bible tells us that the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open to our prayers. Literally, that means that God is like leaning down with his ears kind of perked and wanting to hear you pray. And we need to be that way when we come to church. That, God, I want to hear what you have to say. I come almost sitting on the edge of my seat. If you come with a desire to hear from God, listen, guess what will happen? You will hear from God. You will get a word from God. I honestly have never really sat in a sermon and got nothing out of it. People leave church and, oh, that wasn't for me, that was for them. No, it was for you. That's why you were there and they weren't. (laughs) Hello? You know, some wives sitting there, I wish he could hear that. He need to hear that. Oh, I'm going to get him 10 CDs because he need to hear that. No, you need to hear it. That's why you were here and he wasn't. This whole CD thing is not of God. <laughs> I'm killing myself here. But we need to hear, desire to hear from God. We need to be hungry as if people were hungry to hear from God. And I do find it very interesting, just kind of a side note and worthy of noting, if you will. Did you notice where they gathered in verse 1? They gather in front of the what? Water gate. And of course, in the Bible, listen, you've been around here at Calvary Chapel long enough, you know that in the Bible, washing water is a symbol or a picture of the Word of God. John chapter 15, verse 3, Jesus said, you are already clean because of the Word which I have spoken to you. Ephesians 5, 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her, talking about the church, with the washing of the water by the word of God. I find it interesting they gathered to hear the word in front of the water gate. Very interesting. Point number two in our outline, the people had an importance or a reverence. A reverence and importance was placed on the word in verses two and three. We just read it. Go ahead and peruse it again, if you will. As Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women, and watch this, he brought it before the assembly of men and women and all who could hear with what, saints? Understanding. 
The implication, listen, is those who could not understand were not there. Verse 3 makes it more clear, I think. They read in the open square in front of the water gate from morning until midday before men and women and those who could understand. You see, the thing that we need to note here is all who gathered to hear the word could understand what was being taught. And all who could not understand were not there. That's why we have children's church. Because children really cannot understand, if you will, what I'm saying. I'm talking about Greek words and Nehemiah. What does a three-year-old care about that? So we have children's church. Now, there's some people who have accused us here at Calvary Chapel of being unloving and legalistic toward children. Because we encourage parents, when you come to church with your children, take them to children's church. And sometimes, you know, a parent might be in a sanctuary with their child and kids being kids. They'll start, you know, tearing up the Bibles and making airplanes out of chapter 7, Nehemiah. (laughs) Kids being kids. Or maybe, you know, they they need a little attention or whatever. An usher has to say, ma'am, ma'am, excuse me, can you take your kid to the family room or to children's church or something like that? People are like, oh, you... Calvary Chapel people, you legalistic. Joy, what about the kids? You don't want fi- kids and families sitting together. You're against the family. You're against the children. And Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. I heard it all. <laughs> well, ma'am, we are suffering the children to come to Jesus. We want them to go to children's church. We're giving them the opportunity. You see, we place great importance on children here at this church. Amen. If you know that, would you clap your hands? If you know that. Great importance on children, great importance on youth, and we believe that it's important, it is, listen to me, very important that children come to church and they have a good experience when they come to church. Kids should be allowed to be children at church, not bring them in the sanctuary, and because they're not listening to Pastor Ronnie, drone on. (laughs) Why did I say that about myself? Because they're not listening to me. You know, you know, a lot of people associate church with pain. I mean, they do. They get old enough, they go, you know what, I'm not going to church. Why? Because whenever I think of church, I think of pain. Because I had to sit in the sanctuary when I was a little kid and listen to that pastor preach, and the whole time I was getting slapped and popped and beat. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. And you're just sitting there, you're just doing what you do, and that's be a child. And, you know, you're not, you know, you're doing what kids do. And you're like, stop it. <laughs> Sit down. Shut up. It's like, boy, don't make me beat you on all this in church. <laughs> you know, and then you know it's bad when you start balling your fists up your kid in church. You know what I mean? You're like, what? what? Listen to the pastor. Listen to the pastor. Well, you're not even listening to the pastor. <laughs> you understand? So people really got traumatized in church. Because church was not fun for children. Amen. I, I see kids here at Calvary Chapel. I'll, I'll see them walk by. Hi, hey, hey, Pastor Ronnie. Hi. Do you enjoy church? Yeah. I, I'll ask them, was it fun? <laughs> yeah. What'd you learn about Jesus? Jesus. <laughs> well, that's a good thing, Johnny. 
You'll learn about Jesus. But it's important, I think, for children to have a good experience. And so we, we have a budget. We have a great children's ministry where we send them, because not because we want to separate the families, not because we don't care about children. We do that because we do care about children. Amen. And we care that they learn on their level. And what happens is when they go to church and they start learning about Jesus on their level, and then they get the fourth or fifth of the tweeners age. And you know, our fourth and fifth graders are doing verse by verse study at fourth and fifth grade. And then they go through junior high. Then they go through high school. Then they leave home. Praise God. They leave home. (laughs) Praise God. They don't come back and they leave home. Then they go to church. Now they want to go to church. Now, church is something they want to do. You know, we have five children and seven grandchildren. And, and my, my, my youngest is 21. And sometimes she may go stay with a brother, go stay with her sister, usually with her sister, on the weekend or maybe stay, you know, wherever. But I never have to think, are they going to show up at church on Sunday morning? None of my children. None of them. Because I raised them in church. Because they came up in church and they didn't come to church. And church is not associated with pain for them. Church is associated with, hey, I need to go to church because that's where Jesus is. I need to go to church because I love the Lord. I need to go to church because church is a good place to be. Let's might clap their hands and say amen. Would you? Church is a good place to be. Church, you know, church get a bad rap nowadays. Church is a bad image. Church really has a bad image. It really does. When churches, there's no, better is one day in your, in your house than a thousand elsewhere. And church would be a good place to be. So you raise your children to be in church. And by the way, saints, listen, I'm from the old school. Take your children to church and make sure they go to church and you don't leave that decision up to them. Amen. You know, is this politically correct? Can I be not politically correct? <laughs> Would you mind? <laughs> Well, I just want them to make up their own mind about the God they want to serve. And I just want them, if they don't want to go to church, I don't think we should force them. After all, if we force them to go to church, then, you know, they won't really want to be there. And they probably won't go to church anyway when they're old enough. And I've heard all the arguments there, too. Listen, if you live in my house, you're going to church. If you don't live in my house, I'll wait. Go ahead and clap your hands. I'm going to wait. You go going to church. Now, if you don't live in my house, you don't have to go to church. But if you want to continue living in my house, you will go to church. I'm from the old school. I don't go to church on Sunday morning and leave folks in the bed asleep. No, you can't sleep. No, you can't. Family members don't want to come visit me. (laughs) Because I'm telling you, if you come to my house, you're going to church. Well, I'm an atheist. I don't care. And, and God didn't care either. He's not going to stop being God because you don't believe in him. No, you're going to church. No, you don't leave that up to your children. Well, what happens if they, if they ever decide they don't want to go to church? Listen, I'll tell you something. We've raised many children now. And I'll tell you something. If you raise them in church and they have a good experience in church, they won't ever decide that they don't want to go to church because church is a part of the fiber and the fabric of who they are. I, I never had to get my kid, you better, you, you better make sure I see you at church. That has never happened because they've always gone to church. It's just what they do. Going to church is a part of their life. 
Now, don't misunderstand me. Going to church doesn't save anybody, but it certainly does encourage growth, and it certainly is biblical that we go to church. So if you raise them in church and it's just, you know, they're in nursery and they go through all the grades or whatever, then, then they don't, they don't, it doesn't occur to them that I don't want to go to church because you've raised them that way, just like you would raise them any other way. That's just the way you were raised. You don't leave that up to your children to decide. Parents, you decide that for them and you bring them to church and thus you're showing them that you are placing great importance on the Word of God, just like they did in our text. Point number three, we better move on. Notice they had a respect for the Word in verse 5 through 8. Go ahead and look at it in your Bibles. In verses 5 through 8, and get the scene, they build some type of platform. Are you looking at verse 5? They build some type of platform, and Ezra gets up on it, opens a scroll, and the people, they had such respect for the Word of God. Did you get that? That they stood up. The people stood as God's word was taught. Now, throughout church history, listen, someone has come up with a perversion that now the preacher stands and the people sit. (laughs) This is a perversion. (laughs) But the people stood up. And they began to say, amen, amen. And they began to lift up their hands and bowing their head and worshiping God. And they read distinctly from the word of God. Did you get that in verse eight? They read distinctly from the book and they gave the sense of the word and helped them to understand the reading. Listen, I think some Calvary pastor has said it and I believe it's true even of this church. I think verse eight of Nehemiah eight, sums up what this church, Calvary Chapel, is all about. This is what we do. We read the Bible distinctly. That means to explain it, actually. Now, it's very possible, listen, it's very possible because the people had just returned from Babylonian captivity that many of them spoke Aramaic and and the scroll was in Hebrew, so it needed to be explained. But either way, the point of the text is clear that the Word of God was explained and they understood it. The word of God was important, so important that they explained it and they gave the sense and they helped the people to understand what was being said. And the people began to mourn, the people began to weep. You know, it makes me think of the first time I ever heard the Bible taught. Now, I had been a Christian for five years and I had heard a lot of preaching in five years. But the first time I walked into a Calvary Chapel, Calvary Chapel, Vista, California, Pastor Brian Brodeson was teaching from the book of Revelation. Remember that, honey? That was our first Sunday going to Calvary Chapel. Of course, everybody came up and said, hi, how are you? You must be a visitor. I said, how did you know? They said, well, because you look like a visitor. We had on our suit, tie, (laughs) of our hat, hat, gloves, you know. (laughs) We're like, oh, you must be a visitor. Yeah, really? What gave you a clue? <laughs> of course, I'm looking at them like, what in the world? I mean, this is my first Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're out in Southern California. People will come to church in tank tops and T-shirts and shorts and flip-flops and sneakers. I'm like, what? These people, this is not godly. <laughs> this is not godly. Something's wrong. And I realized that God was more concerned with the condition and the, address and the appearance of your heart than he was outwardly. Amen. So I learned something. 
But so I hear Pastor Brian teaching out of Revelation. I will never forget, we sat in the back of the church, which is the newcomer's location. And uh, just get something crazy going on. You can get out quick. You never know. If it's your first time, I'm with you. That's why we have the back row. And uh, we sat in the back of this church. And I remember hearing the Word of God taught. And honestly, I had never heard God's Word taught so clear. I started crying. I'm looking over at Elvira, and she was crying too, but I was like hiding mine. You know, I'm like, <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> I started crying because I'd never really heard God's word taught clearly and explained. And I didn't know that anybody really could understand God's word, any lay person. He was just shirt and pants and shoes, and that was it. No big deal. The church service was no big deal. And I couldn't believe it, that, that, that somebody could actually just read the Bible and God's Word could have that kind of impact. Anybody know what I'm saying? Amen. On your life, that um, it changed me that day. God's Word will change you the moment you really hear it. When you really hear it. And uh, because they read it distinctly. And so I just remember thinking that day, and, and, I, and this is no insult to Pastor Brian, but I remember thinking, if that guy can teach the Bible, anybody can. I remember thinking that. I mean, really, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Nobody should be up here like, you know, ooh, man, he's so all, only he can understand the word. If that's the impression you're getting, then something's wrong. Because God's word is written to God's people. And if you have the spirit of God living in your heart and living in your life, then you can understand the Bible too. God's not given any one man any super knowledge or any super revelation of who God is. This is the word of God written to people. And the spirit of God teaches us. So I remember looking at him thinking, man, if he can teach the Bible, anybody can. Because it was that simple. Of course, he had been doing it a long time and made it look really easy, too. <laughs> but it was awesome. And I, and I started, and that was my first real introduction of verse-by-verse teaching. And now I honestly believe that verse-by-verse teaching is the only way to grow as a Christian. Amen. Anybody agree with that? Amen. Anybody? It's the only real way to grow as a Christian. I'm not saying it's the only way that God's Word can be communicated because I, from time to time, do various teachings and various styles and uh, approaches to the Scriptures. But verse by verse is so very important. That's my message to pastors in India. I'm teaching them to teach their churches verse by verse because it's very important. Verse by verse is safe. Verse by verse keeps you from going to extremes. Because just when you get extreme on this end, you keep teaching through the Bible, it balances you out. Verse by verse is safe for the preacher. Because it lets people know, I'm not picking on anybody. If you come to church and you hear something that's very convicting, then that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, not me trying to craft a sermon because I know your situation. And this has happened with God coming to me, what did my wife tell you? Wait a minute. Oh, your wife didn't tell me none. I don't even know you. Who are you? What's your name? I don't even know. I never saw you before. 
But see, that's the power of the word of God. It's able to really touch people and meet them right where they are. Verse by verse is very, very safe. And I think that it's the only approach, really, that we can grow uh, as Christians. And it's sad that most of the church today does not teach verse by verse. People come to me all the time and they say, Pastor Wright, I'm so happy to find a church. This is kind of a compliment, but yet a sad commentary on the church. I finally found a church that teaches the Bible. Well, (laughs) thanks. I appreciate that. That's a sad commentary on the church. You mean to tell me what are people saying if they're not teaching the word? What are you saying? And if you're saying that much, you're definitely probably saying something wrong. We need to stay in the word of God. We need to stay in the scriptures. We need to stay in that place where God can speak to us. And he does that through the clear teaching of God's word. We notice in verse 8, so they read distinctly from the book of the law. They gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. So very important. Our final point, we got to wrap it up. The people had a proper response to the teaching of the word. Notice in verse 9 in your Bibles, the response of the people to the word was sorrow and weeping and conviction. You see, when God's word is taught, Conviction follows, and conviction is good. Listen, look at me. Conviction is good. Condemnation is bad. The Bible says there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Nowhere in the Bible does it say there's no conviction. There should be plenty of conviction. Conviction's good, because that's the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart and trying to keep it straight. So conviction is from the Lord. Condemnation is is not. The people were convicted. Romans chapter 3 verse 19 tells us, by the law is the knowledge of sin. So the law, the reading and the teaching of the word was doing what it was intended to do. So the justice of the law brings sorrow, but the joy of the Lord, look at verse 10, the joy of the Lord brings strength. You see that? The people felt sad because they were aware of their own sin, but they could walk in joy because God was doing a great work, and he was their strength. And Nehemiah and Ezra are probably reminding them of God's mercy and God's forgiveness. And they heard God, they heard that God punishes sin, but he blesses obedience. They heard that God had forgiven their sin. They heard that God still loved them and wanted them to walk in holiness, and that brought joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't you ever forget that verse. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know what? I think God takes joy in us when we are going through a trial and we have joy through the trial. Not joy because of the trial. No one is happy because of trials and suffering and tribulation. And if you are, you need medication. Oh, praise God, I'm going through something. I, I can't stand that. How you doing? Well, I'm just suffering for Jesus, but oh, praise the Lord. It's like, that. this is weird. I'm sorry. That's, not, that's just weird. Look, they preached the word. We just read it. From morning to midday. That's a six-hour sermon. Y'all got any place to be by seven? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen, saints? And they weren't rejoicing 
because they were convicted per se as much as they were rejoicing in the fact that God loved them. And, and they've come to learn that. Because remember, they're coming out of that captivity. And it might, you know, when you're in captivity or being punished by God, well, the tendency is to feel that God has rejected us or God has turned his back on us. Well, they come back into the land. They want to hear the word of God. And what they hear is that God still loves them. And the joy of the Lord is their strength. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't let Satan steal that from you. And don't let people steal that from you. Amen. Amen. The joy of the Lord is your strength. There's been a lot of times where um, the joy of the Lord had to be my strength when nothing else was. So the joy of the Lord is your strength. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.